I want to hop right in. I want you to go to 2 Timothy uh, chapter 2, verse 4. Uh, the, the title of my message is All In With God. And, and the, 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 the idea is, is not that, you know, if there's ever a group of people who might be on the list of All In With God, it's the people who are sitting in church on a Sunday night service, like, it's a good spot, you know, like, you could be at home watching a football game, and you're actually here, and so, so it's a, it's a, it's a good, it's a, it's, it's a good sign, but then it's not also, it's not always the qualifier, right, because what, what, what we have a tendency to do is, you know, in a lot of things, uh, put ourselves in maybe further than somebody else, but that may not necessarily be all in for us. And so there, there always comes a place to where when we talk about being all in with God, that, the, that, we, uh, that we're able to examine that for ourselves. And we'll talk about that. But let's start with this scripture at 2 Timothy 4, uh, verse 1. It says, I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who judge the living and the dead, at his appearance and his kingdom. And I love this first statement right here. Preach the word. The, 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 the powerful thing of us preaching the word is we get a chance to not just do that with our mouth, but we get a chance to do that with our lives, right? That when we preach the word, that the word of God going forth is not something that we just say, but it should be something that we do. It says, be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and teaching and for the time shall come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because of their itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be, and be turned aside to fables. But you, be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry." Can I just tell you that every person in here, whether you're in here or not, whether you realize you've got a position or not, can I tell you that you have a ministry? There's not a person in here who doesn't have a ministry. So I love this scripture. This scripture is given to Timothy. And, you know, Timothy is well on his way to do the work of the ministry. But in reality, this scripture can speak to every one of us, right? Every one of us, where we go, where we are, we have a ministry. Where, we, where are the, the people we come in contact with? That's our ministry. The, the, you know, you, some of you, you stop at Quick Trip every morning. And, and you're at that one spot every morning, and that one person sees you every morning. Guess what you've just started? A ministry. Like you have a ministry now with that person because they see you when you, you know, when you're happy to be there. They see you when you're not happy to be there. They see you when you're running late. They see you when you're on time. They see you when you got plenty of, when you got plenty of happiness and they see you when you don't have any. That's your ministry. And so the, the, the idea of, of fulfill the place of your ministry, that is something for all of us. But the idea of being all in, it, it, it kind of sometimes qualifies, right? I, 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 want, I just want to tell you a quick story. Uh, a, a long, uh, seems like a long time ago, uh, we were, you know, 
coordinating for Synergy, and we were event coordinating, and there was just a small period of time there where the, the thing that was so fun or everybody wanted to do was dodgeball. Has anybody in here played dodgeball? Okay, so if you've never played dodgeball, it's really the name of the game happens. You know, what you do is in the name of the game. You dodge the ball, right? Like the idea is that someone's throwing a ball at you and you, do- and you, you dodge the ball. It's really basic, right? But, but the, 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 the way it worked for us is, you know, you could do that forever. So what we did is we set up a, a period of time and there's like a three-minute period of time. And the way it works is either you, it, it, you throw, in the, throw in the ball, you either you know, get everybody out and that team wins. Or when the time period is up, whoever has the most team members left, that team wins. And so there is this one game that will go down in synergy, epic dodgeball history. Simply because, mainly because there was one person on that team who talked a lot of trash, right? Who had a lot to say about their ability to win at dodgeball. And they had already lost the game. So it was like, a, you know, at the, with the best out of three. So they had already lost the game and they needed to win the next game. And so, and so they come down and there's like a minute and a half left in this three minute. And it's four, four of their team members against one of the other. So really the game is over, right? And if you're, if you're the, the team of four, you have a couple of strategies you can do. You have a strategy where you could come up with a way to attack the one person, or you could just wait for a minute and a half and you win, right? So I believe that between three of the four of them, there was a general consensus, let's just wait for the minute and a half, right? So now if you're the one guy, well, you don't really have much strategy left. But what you need is somebody to throw you a bone, so to speak. You need somebody to do something, maybe a little bonehead or something, somebody to do something to give you a chance. Because if you're aggressive, well, there's four against one, you're probably going to lose. So you need one of them just to be aggressive enough and for the thing to happen for you the way it should, right? And so when you've got four people on the team and, and they're all in on winning they may not all be in on the strategy, right? And so the three people were like, let's wait. And the one guy was like, what are we just standing here for? <laughs> like he's laughing. He already knows what happened, right? He's because what are we just standing here for? Let's go get them. And so they come out and they throw the ball. And the only thing that could change the whole game is just, you know, in, in dodgeball, if you catch the ball that's thrown at you, not only do you get the person out that throws the ball, but then you also add a person that's out on your team back in. It's really the only thing left for the one person that they can do. And sure enough, man, the one guy throws the ball and that guy catches it. And now it's three to two. And now it's a game. And as the next minute and a half goes, the team that had four eventually gets enough people out. And by the time we get to the end of the game, the other team has won with one versus four. And of course, the big argument of the game was, we decided what we wanted to do. And the other guy was like, but I was all in. He thought that all in meant that this is what all in does. And his all in didn't match what the other teams all in was. And it was just epic to watch that team lose after talking all that trash, really. (laughs) 
But, but the reality of it is, is when we say all in, that sometimes all in, it, 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 it has different layers and it, it doesn't, as much as it could have one meaning for each person in here, it could mean something different. I want to go to, to 2 Timothy chapter 3, because when we talk about dodgeball, there's a couple of scriptures of the Bible that happen that, that as we go through the list, as we go through the list of things that happen, people are dodging and whether or not to see whether or not they, they get those things on the list. And, and I never think that the dodging of knowing whether or not the list qualifies or you're qualified any of these things on the list is bad, but I always think it's a good evaluation and a self-examination. And we'll talk about this, but in, in, in 2 Timothy Chapter 3, verse 1, it says, And know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves. And here's the list. Here's the dodgeball list of your determining whether or not this is you or not. Lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, Brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And then this verse 5 always qualifies this for me. And if you've heard me talk about this before, this is the scripture that lets me know that we're talking about Christian folks. Because it says, having a form of godliness, denying its power thereof. That, that, you know, people who don't serve God aren't looking for a form of godliness. People who don't serve God aren't lovers of God more than lovers of themselves. And so that qualifies that if you could raise your hand and say, yes, I'm a Christian in this place, that this list is for you. That if there's a list of examination, a list of things that you have to go through, and there may be some things on here you're like, oh, man, I'm definitely, I'm definitely not a blasphemer, man. <laughs> you know, I'm, I speak the word of God all the time. But maybe you're unforgiving. You know, maybe, maybe that one doesn't hit you. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's you know, the, the one, this was a horrible scripture as a kid, because why'd they have to add that disobedient to parents thing in there, you know? Come on. And so the, the, the idea is that this list is there and this is talking about what? The last days, the time that we're in now. And with these two scriptures we've read, there comes a place for us to determine when ourselves, how are we gonna live in these last days? What kind of people are we gonna be in these last days? Let's go to the second one. Let's go to Mark. Mark chapter 7, verse 1. And I'm going to read through this whole thing here because there's a, there's a series of things that happens here as Jesus is having this interaction uh, uh, with, the, with the Pharisees that, that, you know, Jesus kind of puts some things really in order for us. It says in, uh, in verse 1, it says, Then the, the Pharisees and some of the scribes came together, came together to him, uh, having come from Jerusalem. Now, when they, saw, when they saw of his disciples eat bread with, defi- that with defiled, that is, with unwashed hands, they found fault. For the Pharisees and all the Jews did not eat unless they washed their hands in a special way, holding to the tradition of the elders. And when they'd come from the marketplace, they did not eat unless they washed their hands. For there were many other things which they have received and, and, 
and hold like the washing of hands, cups, pitchers, copper vessels, and couches. So let me just give you a general idea of what what the Pharisees are. The Pharisees are trying to do it the way that the rules say to do it, right? And so, so, so can, can I help you see the Pharisees in a little bit different light than most of the time we put them in? And, and, and what, what I always like to do in, 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 in RBTC, I teach the book of Ezekiel. And so I, I, I know that after, you know, according to everything that happened to the children of Israel when they were in exile, the, the idea of when they finally came home, the people who were there, the thought was, man, we better live right. You know, the thought was, man, we better do this thing right. Because the last time we didn't do this right, that God, you know, God swept us up, took us out of here and sent us to another country for 70 years. And so, so there is a, so you, you, you kind of take it a little bit easy on the Pharisees because what they're trying to do is they're trying to live right. What they're trying to do is trying to follow the proper order of how things are done. But then what's happened over a period of time is they have chosen more the tradition of what it is instead of having the heart of what matters. In other words, they've, they've, they, they would care so much more about washing hands instead of telling people about the Lord. And they would be so upset with disciples. You didn't wash your hands. I have a five-year-old washing hands is optional. <laughs> so it's like, like the, 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 washing of hands is so important. And you, man, I cannot believe you didn't wash your hands. What's wrong with you? When there are so many other things that they could have paid way more attention to. And they chose to find, again, come on, this is, and can I tell you something? The Pharisees were all in. Wait a minute, I just want to make sure you understand. The Pharisees were all in. They weren't, they weren't halfway in on their ways. They weren't halfway in on their traditions. They were just all in in a way that was unproductive to the kingdom of God. And so, so therefore now, here's this moment, and then they, they bring it to Jesus, this moment. It says, then the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, why, why do your disciples not walk according to traditions of elders? But eat the bread with unwashed hands. And he answered and said to them, well, well, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites as it is written? Wow, he didn't pull any punches there, did he? It says, this people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And in vain they worship me, teachings as doctrines, the commandments of men. For laying aside the commandments of God, you hold the traditions of men. the washing of pitchers and cups and many other such things you do. And he said to them, all too well, you reject the commandments of God that you may keep your traditions. For Moses said, honor your father and your mother. And he who curses his father or mother, let him be put to death. But you say, if a man says to his father or mother, whatever whatever profit you may have received from me is korban, that is a gift from God. Then you no longer let him do anything for his father or his mother, making the word of God of no effect through your, tradi- through your tradition, which you have handed down, and many such things you do. And so, let's keep going. It says, when he called, when he called all the multitude to himself, he said to them, hear, hear me, everyone, and understand that there is nothing that enters a man from the outside which can defile him. But the things which come out of him 
are the things that defile him. And if anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And so what Jesus did is he took that, that moment, that moment where they were, you know, all about this tradition and said, this tradition matters. This has to happen. We're all in on this tradition. And he says, you're all in on the wrong thing. You're all in on this thing, and, and you're not all in on the, the thing that makes you most productive, the word of God that makes you more productive. You have gotten so caught up in the idea of this thing. And, 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 and so often for us as Christians, we forget what the purpose, the purpose of us is to expand the kingdom of God, right? The purpose of us is to show the love of God. I say this all the time. We are the display. We are the billboard of the kingdom of God. When people look at us, they see the kingdom of God. They look at us and determine, man, do I like that? Are they advertising well? And then that determines for them whether or not they're interested. We're the commercial. We're the, we're the spokesperson in the commercial of their life that comes up and that says, hey, how about trying God? And have you seen that one commercial that you look at and you're like, no, I don't need a pillow, man. I'm good. I'm sorry if you have a pillow. I mean, I'm sure it's good. But the idea is like, like you see the commercial and you think to yourself like, oh man, no, there's that guy talking about that weird thing again. And you immediately turn it off because it doesn't speak to you. The worst commercial ever is a Chick-fil-A commercial on Sunday. It's horrible. They're like, come to Chick-fil-A. I'm like, I can't, it's Sunday. It's speaking to me and I can't get to it. But the commercials that speak to you, the advertisements that speak to you immediately make you want to go to whatever it is that it's speaking of. You are an advertisement of the kingdom of God. You should be the display that everyone's like, ooh, yeah, I like that. I hope you're open every day because I want to go to what you have. We go on here, it says, when they entered the house from the crowd, the disciples asked him concerning the parable. So he said to them, are you thus without understanding also? Do you not perceive that whatever enters a man from the outside can defile him, but because it does, because it does not enter his heart, but his stomach and is eliminated, thus purifying all foods. And he said, what things... What things come out, of a, come out of a man, that defiles a man. And here goes that, the dodgeball list again. It says, for within, out of the heart of men proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetedness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile Amen. So there again, there's that list again. And <laughs> blasphemy has made it on both lists. I don't know if you noticed that. But the, the idea is that, that again, there's the list of things which should cause us to do what? Examine ourselves. Like there should never be a place where we should stop 
examining ourselves. There should never be a place where we stop looking on the inside to say, hey, God, God, what, 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 where am I stepping? Where do I need to tweak? What brings me closer to being who you made me to be? You know, God made you. He made you from the very beginning. He knows who you are. He knows what you're capable of. God knows things that you're capable of that you don't know that you're capable of. And so he knows that. So he's, he's made you. He's, he's, he's put this together. And he knows that, man, if you could just remove this, this brings you a step closer to what I made you to be. But so often we reach a place and we get satisfied, right? Man, I go to church on Sunday nights. I'm good. I'm good. Man, look how many people ain't here. So I'm good. I'm better than most of these other people. And we, and we mark it down as if that, that's a standard and we've reached a standard that no one else is reaching. Therefore, we don't go back to the place to examine ourselves. If you go to Psalms, go to Psalms. Psalms chapter 26, verse 1. The idea of examining ourselves is not a bad thing. Is, is, is we, we get caught up in examining ourselves and then we, 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 we feel like there's some kind of bondage in that. And there's not. There's actually freedom that comes from that. We go to Psalms chapter 26, verse 1. It says, vindicate me, O Lord, for I have walked in your integrity. I love this because this is coming from David. And if you go to, I just talked about this in class just this, this, this last Friday. If you, if, if, if you go to 1 Samuel chapter 18, four times in that, in that scripture, it talks about how David behaved. At that moment, Saul is becoming jealous of David. What does it say? David did what? He behaved wisely. It says it in four separate times. David behaved wisely. David behaved wisely. So that means that somewhere along the line, the walk of integrity matters. David, David was anointed to be king in order for him to walk out his purpose, in order for him to get ready. Imagine if he didn't behave wisely, and then he's anointed to be the next king. Then he has this reputation. You go later on in his life and he gets into this altercation, uh, altercation with, you know, with, with a man who, who wouldn't help him. And David, David got, he got, in, he got in his feelings a little bit, right? He was like, all right, dude, I'll, I'll take care of you. And what was wonderful is how, how Abigail stopped him and said, wait, wait, you don't need this. You don't need this on your record. You don't need this bad behavior, this lack of integrity on your record. And so walking in integrity matters. It goes on and says, I also have trust in the Lord and I shall not slip. The, 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 the reality of it is, is that as we walk in integrity, in order to maintain integrity, we need God to keep us. He needs, we, need him, we need him as our guardrails, right? Come on, let me just say this. We need, we need him as our guardrails. And, and there are situations that we feel that are safe, that, that we could slip in, and we need, we need, what do we need? Come on, the Holy Spirit is there. Oh, come on, let me say that again. The Holy Spirit is there. The Holy Spirit is there, and there have been so many directions and places and steps that you've got ready to take that's probably not the integrity step to take or the place to go. And the Holy Spirit has said to you, uh-uh, no, 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 no. Don't go there. And did you listen? 
The more you don't listen, the more you numb yourself to that voice. Verse two, it says, examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try my mind and my heart. There's a place where you bring yourself, where we bring ourselves continually to God. And we say, hey, God, uh, this, this morning, uh, this morning we, we sang the song Closer and Wrap Me in Your Arms. And I love, I love that line that says, take me to that place, to that secret place where I can be with you. And then what happens when I'm with you? You will make me like you. The change that happens in our life comes with the presence of God. If I don't spend time in the presence of God, I'm missing out on some changes. I'm missing out on some spots. I'm missing out on some places that I can be all in. I want you to go to Romans chapter eight because the one thing that I want you to know is that in the examination, there's no place in the examination where there's condemnation. This is, this is, this is super important. That if somewhere in your examination process, it feels like you're less of a person, that's not God. That's not God. That, that God is never putting you in a place where you're examining yourself. And then as you're examining yourself, you feel like you're less than. Your examination from God will always elevate you to the next step. It will never lower you. God will always raise you up. God will always pick you up. God would always lift you up. He will never keep you down. He will never put you in a spot where you feel like less than. You're, you are way too valuable to him. He's put glory on you. He's not, uns- he's, not dirt. he's not covering dirt, his glory up with dirt. He's shining, he's polishing, he's making his glory. He wants you to shine. And he's always lifting you up. Romans 8.1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. That, that in reality, when I'm going through that examination process and God is like, uh-uh, whoa, come in. Hey, 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 fix that. That when I pay attention to that voice, that all of a sudden there's a weight that comes off. See, what happens when it's, when it's God, it, it's freeing. When it's God, it does, there's no pressure in it. When it's God, there's no, there's no condemnation in it. There's a, there's a lift. There is the weight that then comes off your shoulders. You no longer have to now carry the weight of, of that thing that God is like, no, 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 no. Let me take this burden off of you. And let you live a life of freedom. It talks about John that the knowledge of the freedom, that knowing the truth brings me to freedom. Amen. Amen. And, and, I, and I say this all the time that, that the act of repentance, which should happen and happen to us constantly all the time, is it's again, truth is what? Stationary. Truth is in one spot. If I'm ever going to walk to the truth, me taking steps towards the truth is an act of repentance. That's repentance. 
When I know where truth is and I'm this far away and then I go, no, 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 let me get to truth. Guess what? There goes repentance. I'm walking to the truth. That, the, that, that, that in reality, there's freedom as I get closer and closer to the truth. And so it becomes super, super important for us then to go through that examination process, be open to God, be honest with God. He knows anyway, right? You're not fooling God. So then it's really more so than being open and honest with us. Not with God, because he already knows, right? Real quick, I want to tell you two stories. I I was going to read them, but I'm short of time. So I'm just going to tell you the two stories. The first story is actually in, in and, and let me, before I say this, let me just say, if, if, if I could give you homework, I'm going to give you homework. Finish reading the rest of that Romans 8, because as you read further down, it gets more freeing. It explains a lot more. Don't stop at verse 2. Keep going, all right? That's your homework. But in Mark chapter, Mark chapter 10, verse 17, it's the story of the, of the young ruler. And, and, the, and the young ruler, he came, he came to Jesus and he said, he said, he said, Jesus, he goes, you know, he basically said, hey, you know, good father, what can I do? What can I do? What more can I do, you know, to follow you, to, to give everything I have? And Jesus, you know, ran down the commandments, you know, you know, have, you know, have, have you done this? Have you done this? Have you done these things? And have you, and he was like, no, I, I've, I've held every one of those. I've done every one, no, no stealing, no, you know, no committing adultery, no, none of that. I've done all that since my youth. And so then Jesus said, but there's only one thing left there. I want you to go sell all your possessions and then come and follow me. And the story says that the man walked away sad because he had great possessions. Here's the moment the moment for him to go all in. Here's a place for him to go all in. And he's done everything right. Come on, like he did it right. He was probably at church on Sunday night. He, was, he did everything the way it was supposed to be done. But then when the moment said, hey, I need you to do this, to take this step to be all in, he wasn't ready to go all in. Can I just tell you this, that it becomes super important for us as we walk out these last days to determine who our God is. And then not just to determine who our God is, but to serve him like he's our God. Okay, I'll tell you this, I grew grew up in church. And so in growing up in church, you know, I've seen seen a lot of crazy things, okay? And so, you know, there there are, and this is just me being transparent, there are certain things in my life that I'm like, to just give in to those things, even though I know, man, this is something that I need to do, just because I've seen people get so far in the crazy side of it. And it's actually turned me off to it. And it's like, man, I remember that person and they did that, you know, that's nuts. And I allow someone else's actions to stop me from saying, hey, you know what? This is what God is requiring for me to go all in. I need to do this. And I need to get rid of that little hangup that I have in my head that says, 
I don't want to be crazy. Inside of every person in this room, there is something. There is, there, is, there, is, there is a place. There is a level up that you can take from where you are right now. And some of you are in the best place you've ever been. Like, like this is, man, if you knew where I was last year this time, boy, you'd be thanking God that I'm sitting here at church on a Sunday night. And yet, where you are now, God is so proud of where you are now. But that's not it. Again, it's the commercial, but wait, there's more. Because with God, there's always more. With God, there's always another step. With God, there's always more. And can I tell you, with every step you make with God for more, man, he gives you something with every one of those steps. The other story that I love is the story of Jesus, and he's by the Sea of Galilee. And he's, he's, he's speaking to a crowd and he needs, he needs some space. And so he asked these fishermen who were there, he's like, hey, can I use your boat? And he goes out and he gets a boat and they push, push the boat, you know, out and he speaks to the people. And then after, after he finishes uh, speaking to the people, he tells the fishermen, hey, why don't you go lower your nets? Let's go lower your nets. And they said, look, you don't understand. We've been fishing all night and we haven't caught anything. And he's like, no, 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 lower your nets. And so, so, so there it is, there it is, Peter and Andrew, James and John, and Peter is out there on his boat and he, and he lowers his nets. And when he comes up, he's got so much in there. He's got so much in there. He's got more that he actually needs James and John. Come on, come on, help me with this. And they have to come over and they have to help him. They have to take all the fish. And it says that the fish filled all the boats. Can I tell you something that's really neat about that story? Man, that was a lot of money. Like that moment, man, they hit, they hit the mother load. That was, that was it. That was pay your taxes, live good. Come on, let's have a good meal tonight. And what does it say they did? It says in that, that moment, they forsaked all and followed him. And you know what? We, we love the story of Peter because he didn't do it right all the way, all, all the time, right? But he left, he left that moment. He left that moment and he decided that with his life, I will follow Jesus. With his life, I will go wherever Jesus will take me. Yeah, did he do some bonehead things? Yeah, but you know what, man? That man walked on the water. He would have never done that if he would have never followed Jesus. That man got a chance to see the transfiguration. He got a chance to see people he's only heard about in the Bible. He would have never done that if he never would have followed Jesus. Yeah, did he deny Jesus three times at what seemingly was the most critical moment? Yeah. But at the moment when the, when the Pentecost came, who was standing in front of the congregation preaching the word of God? It was Peter. He wouldn't have got there if he didn't give all to follow him. There's a something more that God has for you that's sitting there waiting for you to get to it. And all God is just saying is forsake all. Follow me. I'll say this last thing and then, and, and then I'll close from here. The one, the one, thing I, one thing I imagine 
I imagine that with the, I hope, I'll say this way, I hope this way, that with the rich young ruler, I don't know what happened in his life. But you know what I hope? I hope that maybe, who knows, maybe, Maybe he was one of the 120. Who knows? Maybe he, he figured it out enough and he was one of the 120 that was there on the day of Pentecost. You know what I really hope? I really hope that first, you remember that first early church and the early church where the, 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 they came together and what did, what did they do? It said they did what? They sold all of their possessions, put it all in one pot so that they could feed the sick and the needy. And what I honestly hope for that rich young ruler is that he was one of those people. That he was one of those people who realized, you know what? I could have gave it all and I didn't. But now, come on, because God will always come back around. He will always come back around to give you a chance to take the step to go all in. And I hope when that, that time came back around, he was part of that crew. Man, I'm selling all this. I'm selling all this so that I can follow Jesus. With every head bowed and every eye closed in this place. Man, if you're in here tonight, maybe you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. We want to give you that opportunity tonight. We want to give you the opportunity to make the step, to make the move, to, to answer the call. For, for the disciples, they made the call. For the disciples, they made the, the step to say, you know what? The first step of saying, hey, I, I'm all in, God. Right here, I'm turning, I'm taking the life that I had and I'm taking the life that I was doing and the life that I was living and I'm turning it all around and I'm saying, here I am. With every head bowed, every eye closed in this place, if you're that person, you've never done that for the first time to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I just want you to raise your hand. I just think it would be a disservice to, to talk about the goodness of God and going all in on God and not give someone the opportunity that if you're in here tonight, And you want to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior to take the step to go all in. That you could do that here tonight. Let me tell you, it's the greatest step. It's the greatest step into, into the most fulfilled purpose you'll ever have. Father, you know every person in this room. And God, if there's somebody in this room who should have raised their hand or wanted to raise their hand. God, I just pray, Lord, that you continue to just give them the opportunity. God, we know you love them. God, we know you love them. But to give them that opportunity to make that change, to just simply do one thing, just to confess Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Believe it in their hearts, confess it with their mouths. Instant change. Give them that opportunity, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen. God is good. Amen.
We're going to ask our prayer workers uh, to come down. Do we have any first-time guests? No? One. If, if, if you're a first-time guest, we want to thank you for being here tonight. We appreciate it. Um, I normally sing, just so you know. But tonight I get the opportunity to, to bring the word. And so I thank Pastor and Mrs. Hagen for that opportunity. Um, if you need prayer for anything, we're going to ask you to come to these people here. We're going to ask the ladies to come to the ladies, the, the men to come to the men. But everybody stand up. Everybody stand up. But if you need prayer for anything, please come see these people. They're here for you. We want to thank you guys for being here tonight. We got anything else, Pastor Rob, that we need to say? So then we'll expect to see you guys here on Wednesday night. Hour of power. God is good. Amen. Come on, let me say that again. God is good. Can we just take a moment, just lift up our voice and give him praise? Give praise to God. Come on, give him glory. Come on, now, come on. Man, if you were just doing that for me, that'd be fine. But this is to God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. Come on, the creator of everything. The provider of every element of your life. Father, we thank you for all that you've done, all that you're doing, the places you're taking us, how you're leading us, how you're guiding us, God. We thank you for it. And Father, we go all in for you. In Jesus' name, amen. God is good, and you guys have a great night.